reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. But about that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at the unexpected hour. Thanks, Sheila. Hey, good morning. Happy post-Thanksgiving. How was all that? Anybody figure out how many pounds you put on since Thursday? Nobody's looked. Nobody wants to volunteer that information. So if you're a guest, welcome. We're thrilled that you're here. And even if you're not a guest, you're like, wow, we've kind of messed with things. We're going to mess with things a little bit for the next four weeks in what we call Advent. A couple questions this morning that I just want to throw out there and hopefully provoke some thought, conversation, maybe even prayer. And they're just two. One is, like, have, have you noticed uh, that, that waiting is this, like, prerequisite to becoming a healthy human? Like, have you, just, have you noticed just how central the discipline of waiting is, arduous though it is, uh, painful though it is, difficult though it is? Have you noticed just that waiting is just a central aspect of what it means to be human? And, and then the second question that I'm hoping that you just have permission to kind of lean into this morning is just like, okay, so that being the case, uh, what, what might God be talking to you about as it relates to waiting? In what ways might you be being invited by God to lean into this aspect of waiting? If you're brand new to church, or even if you're not, uh, you may not know that actually today, the fourth Sunday before Christmas, is the new year. Did you know that? It's happy new year. I, it's not actually a joke. It, in, the world, in the world of Advent, so way, way back in church history, as they put together a church calendar around feasts and things like that, Advent marks the start of the new year, and Advent is all about the hope that we lean into in the midst of waiting. So that's what we're going to explore a little bit this morning. Which, which Maybe we start with this question. Can you think of times, uh, or a time, when your failure to wait well got you in a bunch of trouble? Can you think of a time where there's this tremendous pain or difficulty or just stupidity because you didn't wait? Now, I told you a few weeks ago I was committed to, to praying about the weekends more and you all, and so if you don't like this example, blame God, because I think it came from this time. I was like sitting at my desk praying, and I was like, oh, that's a good question, but it might not be a good question. So here it is. Uh, when's the last time you peed your pants? I'm, I'm so let's go like post 10, pre, I don't know, 90, 80? I don't, I'm not sure what is the politically correct age to put to it, but right, there's this season of... Like, can you think of the last time you peed your pants? And I'm not talking like Montana winter, you're outside, like going to the bathroom, I think I'm done. Oops, I don't think I was done. Like that thing that you did at the Cat Grizz game last weekend, right, when you got under your seven layers or whatever. Like, you, you know what I'm talking about? The like, I don't know, there's, I'm sure there's a physiological explanation for that, but, and don't tell me I'm the only one that's experienced that because I know it's happened to you guys. I'm talking like full-on bladder empty in your pants. Can you think of the last time? 
Uh, the last time I would admit was, I think I was in elementary school. I know I was in elementary school because where I w the house that I'm picturing, I got home from school, nobody was home. This was pre-keyless like keyless entry or smart locks, and I didn't have a key. I remember it was very cold, it was winter, there was lots of snow, I was standing in the backyard, and I remember just being in physical pain because I had to go to the bathroom so bad. For the life of me, I can't figure out why I didn't just go like in the fence or something, like somewhere in the backyard. Actually, I do know, it's because I was shy. But I also know, like, I broke a Hushka code of ethics because it's like there's this rule, like, men in the Hushka family don't have permission to go inside to go to the bathroom. Do you have that in your family? Again, you'd never admit it because you could go to jail for this. But my grandpa, actually, I learned afterwards, he had a bucket in the garage. So you never go inside. Anyway, I was standing at the back door, and I, I, can, still, I can still visualize it, I guess. And I just, like, it happened. And there's this brief moment of pain relief followed by a wave of shame and like, what just happened? And actually, I don't know what happened after that. Like, I've completely blocked that part out. <laughs> I think the next thing I did is put my tongue on the light pole so I could come up with an excuse for what just happened. <laughs> but can you think of a time where just not waiting got you in a bunch of trouble? Richard Foster has done this great thought around this idea that He's a Quaker thinker, and I think he's even got a book out on this idea, but his, the idea is, is that the, three, the big three things that'll really get us in trouble or, or help us thrive are money, sex, and power. Just think about that as it relates to waiting or failing to wait. I mean, money. Like, the inability to wait and wait well, I mean, that's, that's kind of the root of all of the bad financial choices we make, isn't it? Whether it's consumer debt, or something you bought on Black Friday that you didn't even know you needed until it was on sale, and now you realize that you didn't want it, like those regretful purchases, it's, it's a failure to wait. Or, or, or power. Ever worked for somebody who like ascended the order and didn't have to wait for their power? It's not fun. Sex, I know everybody wants to talk about this because nobody has shame around this issue, but like, just think, think, think about some of the most painful things a person can experience as it relates to sex, and they're almost always tied to the inability to wait, aren't they? Now, can you think of a time where you waited well? Let's get a little more happy in this conversation. Can you think of a time where, where it just paid off? Money, sex, power. Uh, we used to take students to Mexico when I first started being a, a student intern in this youth group. Uh, we would go from Billings to Tijuana in 15 passenger vans and cargo trailers. Well, we didn't put people in those, we put bags in those. And so we would, the first leg of the trip was we'd lead it, leave in like oh dark 30 from Billings, and the goal was to get to St. George, Utah uh, by the end of the day. It was usually the end of the day. We got to this hotel just in time to eat something and go to bed. And part of the reason why we stayed there was because we were always doing these trips in late July, early August, and so it was the same temperature as the surface of the sun at noon. And so with, with these, all these people loaded in these cars and cargo trailers and students, we, flat tires were a pain. So the goal was to leave St. George really, really early and get through as much of the desert as you could before it got super hot. Ever made that drive from St. George to Vegas? There's nothing except for Joshua trees, which are actually very cool. So we got up in the morning. I think we actually gave the students time to go have a quiet time, read their Bible a little bit, pray a little bit. And then we all loaded into these vans. And, and if you've ever done a road trip with two people, you know that if you stop every time someone has to go to the bathroom, you'll never get there. Right, guys? Like, you'll never get there. This is the problem. That's why they invented bottles. Just kidding. <laughs> that's, that's a joke. 
But especially with 40 people, like if you stop every time someone has to go to the bathroom, you never get there. So we had this hard and fast rule, like we can't stop in, until we've at least gone for two hours. And there was always some tender-hearted mother on the trip that always got mad at me because I'm like, no, we can't stop every 10 minutes. But that means the first leg of the trip was the worst. And I, I have this memory of we were like an hour from Vegas and I was driving the van and I was the, the bathroom jerk and I had to go to the bathroom so bad. <laughs> but I made it. Like, this is a positive story. I, I remember like getting out, stopping at the gas pump. I mean, I won't explain, but you, you know how painful it gets. Can you think of a time when you waited well? See, I think part of the brilliance of the season, joking aside, is that people, and, and, and for me, this is just where I'm at in my season of faith, but where people uh, who came along way before us, they observed that, that not just to be a healthy person, not just to be a healthy human, but to be a healthy follower of Jesus, like this discipline of waiting, it, it had to happen. And so part of what they did is they started the whole church year just focusing on, let's just spend four weeks focusing on waiting on God. For Christmas, yeah, kind of, we're waiting for Christmas. To a greater extent, waiting for God's return, yep. Which can get creepy and weird and it can cause you to put billboards up and all this stuff and that's really not the intent. The idea was is that a healthy Christian forms their whole identity around this idea that time is linear, that it is going somewhere and that a healthy person lives knowing that they have to wait. It's kind of like Lent, where we explore this, there's certain disciplines that Lent brings up every year. Advent was designed to just reawaken us to the purpose, the value, the need for waiting. And some of you, this is probably right in the crosshairs of where life is right now. Whether you're waiting to, to meet someone, or you're waiting for a relationship to get healthy, or you're dealing with infertility, or you're waiting for a clean bill of health, or you're waiting for the economy to turn because you're in a, in, a, in a field of business that's deeply affected by this, whether you're waiting for a, just a son or a daughter who's struggling right now. like Waiting is a part of life, and this is part of what I love, is, is it's so easy to, to make God so abstract, but that's really on us, not him, because God meets us in the waiting, and that's what Advent's all about. I just want to look back at Isaiah Two that, that Anna read, and just the, the second verse there. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills and all the nations shall stream to it. I put on the mind map a reference to a, to a homily by Bishop Barron that, that a friend sent me this week, and it's really quite good. It speaks to this idea, that's part of what's fun right now, is if, if, if you're part of a community that's doing Advent, like everybody's reading the same text for the next four weeks, which by the way is one of the invitations of the series that if you're at all interested on the mind map, you, you can, if you've never read the Bible and never had some kind of a personal prayer, scripture, ritual, this is a great time to start it because there's these daily readings laid out starting today. But part of what I want to ask as it relates to Isaiah, because what's he getting at here? It's a little esoteric, maybe. He's talking about Jerusalem. He knows where Jerusalem's at. Everything in Israel, by the way, goes up to Jerusalem. It's the highest point. So that metaphor is very strong in the text. But what's he pointing to? All nations will stream to it. What's going on here? What if part of it is just that history is going somewhere? That time is headed somewhere? And this is really, really hard to, to live within as a human, isn't it? Like, think about, think about when you were in middle school. Maybe you're there now. Most of you aren't. 
I could tell by the color of your hair. I'm just kidding. Um, but, but think about middle school. Like when you were in middle school or even high school, like you couldn't imagine a day when you didn't do that every year, every day. It was impossible to imagine when you were a freshman in high school that you would ever have a life that didn't involve going to high school every day or living in your parents' house. Maybe you're there now. It's impossible for you to imagine, though you try often perhaps. Why is that? Because it's so easy to view time as going in circles. But now you're in a season, most of us are in a season where like high school was the exception to our story. Like that feels like forever ago. And it's weird to imagine being there. Or, or think about like fall sports just ended. I was thinking this week about like, th- think about the girl who played volleyball maybe suited up for a few varsity games, maybe was one of the starters on JV, season's over. She knows, everybody knows that she's one of the people that they're putting their hopes in for next volleyball season, but that's all predicated upon some, some off-season work. Like we live in the age of, of gyms and weightlifting regimens and band work and getting more athletic and getting stronger maybe even going to camps and doing some summer ball. Like there's, there's all these things to do, but most of them, between the end of this last season, which was a few weeks ago, and the start of next, call it early August, most of the things to do are involved doing the same thing every day between now and then. I guess part of what makes going to the gym difficult, isn't it, is it's like Groundhog's Day. You're just doing the same thing every day. But think about that athlete. And, and for, for her, or, or for him in a different sport, it's so easy to get lost in the off-season because you think it's always going to be the off-season, but, but what do we know? We know tryouts are coming. We, we know the volleyball season of the fall of 2023 is coming. I think that's what Isaiah is trying to get us to imagine here is as it relates to our little speck of time, it's so easy to assume it's always gonna be this way. Some of you are living in the crosshairs if it's not always that way right now because you just celebrated a Thanksgiving for the first time in decades without somebody and you're like hyper aware of the fact that life isn't cyclical right now. It's called grief. But for most of us, Our minds and our bodies, I know mine does, it moves so quick towards orientation that we just want to assume that this is the way it's always going to be. Maybe you're in this season where you have little tiny kids at home and it's like impossible for you to imagine being some of your friends who are empty nesters already. But it's coming. And I wonder if that's not what Isaiah is getting at here is this awakening us to like time is linear. It's going somewhere. And therefore, the way we live matters. And how, and it's not just so much, I don't think this has to be a fear thing, but it's like a, it's a volleyball off-season thing. Like, the start of the next season is coming. Like, barring something incredibly unforeseen, it's inevitable. The question is, are you going to show up prepared? And that's the question of Advent. Like, are we doing the work of waiting? And Advent isn't like Lent in the sense that we're supposed to show up really penitent and just kind of aware of our sin. It's about hope, that we we get to hope. That like what we're reading in the news every day with Ukraine and Russia, like it's not forever. That's the whole plowshares. Things are gonna get turned into other kinds of implements because they won't be needed for war anymore. And it gets even more weird if you're like, man, this is weird. I'm so glad I brought my guest today because we're talking about the stuff that 
makes up Christian cliches, and I suppose on some level that's true. And Jesus, listen to what he does in, in 37. For as the days of Noah were, so will, become, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's this stark warning. It's this invitation uh, to wait well. So I guess here's maybe a question. How, how could you use this Advent season to lean into waiting? Like, what are you waiting for? And what if, what, what if you could, like, intensify your own practicing of the presence of God? Uh, what if you could intensify your own experience of prayer by not allowing like the part of you that believes in God and goes to church and serves a little bit and gives a little bit and the part of you that's really worried about this thing or preoccupied or distracted to not, to not allow them to be dichotomous but to bring them together. What, like what if you were to, to marry, if you were, that thing that you're waiting for? Maybe you're the only one that knows you're waiting for it. Maybe it's something as simple as like, I just can't wait till I don't have to change his diaper anymore. Maybe there's a son or a daughter or a friend that you're just grief-stricken for. Maybe there's just this grief that you're carrying that you know you just have to walk through it and you can't wait until that's not the first thought every day. Maybe you're grieving that you're single. Maybe you're grieving that you're married and you need to pray for God to help you get healthier in your relationship. Maybe you're dealing with something related to infertility or your finances. Like what, what if you were to take the, the waiting that is very present for you? Maybe you're just in a season where you're just like, God, would you just take me? And I don't mean like suicide ideation. I just mean like you're tired. And your body's tired. and You're just trusting that God knows what he's doing with the timing of your life. Like how, 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 how is waiting a, a preoccupied, a, 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 how are you preoccupied with waiting right now anyway? And what if, what if for Advent you just bring God into that? And every time you think about it, every time you worry about it, every time you get mad about it, every time you get sad about it, every time you get hopeful about it, you just instantly use that kind of like fasting. Like that's what fasting is supposed to do is it's supposed to be this like this physical thing that prompts us, oh yeah, when I remember I'm hungry, I get to pray. But, but here it's, it's not so much about fasting, though that you can also do during Advent. It's, it's you're just bringing those together. In fact, here, here's my invitation if you're at all interested is there's those cards in the, in the chair and they're not necessarily intended for this, but I just thought I, I'd love to join you and get the staff to join you in praying through this. So if you care to like write down, you don't have to give us your name, you can, but just like how are you gonna embody your waiting in this season? If you wanted to put that on that card and drop it in one of those boxes up here, we'll put them all on a Google Doc and distribute them to the IR so they can read yours. I'm just kidding. We'll keep them anonymous, but I just think it'd be fun to, to pray with one another of like, here's the way I'm waiting. And then the invitation is you get to show up on Christmas Eve knowing that in one sense the waiting comes to an end because part of what Advent begs us to remember is that what we take for granted, which is the coming of the Messiah the first time, there's millions of people that died waiting for that in the same way that you and I are waiting for the second coming. And so we show up just celebrating God is faithful to his promises. And then Jesus continues this way. Keep awake, therefore, 
For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. This is one of the, the texts that I thought Bishop Barron did a remarkable job with in that homily, but he touched on something that I've experienced re- a lot recently, especially since COVID, and that is this, what he points out is that, that in the text, uh, keeping awake is, is a positive metaphor and falling asleep is a negative metaphor that's not just for like physical sleep, but for spiritual apathy, uh, for, for being lazy, if you will. And one of the observations I've made, and I, I want to make this really respectfully because it's not, it's, not, uh, it's not universal, but I've had the privilege of spending a decent amount of time with a pretty wide variety of people who are contemplating being done with their faith or are just done with it. I mean, it's kind of the theme of the last couple years for so many. And part of what's been tricky for me in listening to people is that there are some people who are going through these exege- ex- exegetical crises there's this intellectual component. They're, they're frustrated about certain justice issues. They're frustrated by certain political issues and, and Christians' association with them, with them. I think that's there. But I think what's been even more present is just distraction. Like, like what you take in is what you put out. You know, it's, it's Paul talking about like God won't be mocked. A person's gonna reap what they're gonna sow. That if, if it's been a while since you've shown up in prayer or in the text or in church, then why are you surprised that you're kind of questioning your faith? And that's what Jesus is getting at here. Keep awake, therefore, is this invitation that in this season you, you double down on the, the disciplines of your faith and the things that, that we know that are sowing to a, a more vibrant faith. What happens if you use this Advent and maybe you use uh, the, the lectionary, those daily readings, I just think they're brilliant. And just use those to go like, okay, Lord, I'm going I'm to get a little more disciplined in this season to be a little more focused. Some of us are doing a digital minimalism kind of fast, and it's not too late to jump in on that if you're interested, but it's designed to go like, okay, I'm going to spend a little less time. Like one of my goals is, okay, I'm not going to read about the Broncos while I eat my breakfast because they're terrible anyway, and it's a waste of time. So I'm going to, and this, I don't mean to be hyper-spiritual, but I, I, a long time ago someone gave me one of the Anglican Books of Common Prayer, and my goal is just like, just read a few of those while I eat my breakfast. It's just this design of like, how can I invest a little bit more into this space and a little bit less into this distracted one? So let's just end there. In what ways is God inviting you to take this area of waiting and the hopefulness that Jesus brings to the world and bring them together and make the next 28 days just about like waiting with God. How is God inviting you to wait for him? We're gonna celebrate in just a minute through communion and if you've not celebrated with us in that way, I think you'll figure it out. It's not compulsory, you don't have to do it. We'll come up in one row at a time loop this way and then we'll jump up afterwards and lead us through it. And let me just remind you, like communion, uh, it's an open table around here. Like we just ask that you've, committed yourself to following Jesus and are active in doing so. You can use this song to clean some things up with God if, if, if you need to do that. Probably we all need to do that. But ultimately, communion is this gigantic reminder that God is faithful to his promises. Uh, that, that people for hundreds, thousands of years waited and he did show up and he will again. And in Advent, we try to lean into those things and then take the, the acute things from our own lives and, and make it personal. So let me pray, and as the band comes back up here, 
and then we'll give you a chance to reflect through communion. God, Lord, this, this waiting thing is, it, it's one of those, it just can be so exhausting. And there's things that we're all waiting for, whether they're in our work or here at Narrate or in our finances or in our health and our relational picture. God, my prayer would just be that this would be the season where uh, we kind of experience faith as a community as we lean into that waiting for you is it's like a central, vital part of what it means to be yours. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Narrate Church, find us online at narratechurch.org or look us up on Facebook or Instagram.